Hey, we are back in the football shed. That was take two, and take one. Uh, take two wasn't much better than take one. Jeff. You got a bit look, flustered, look, Jeff. What happened? Got, it, it's a pretty hard guitar part to, to get right every week. I haven't under, played it very often. I'm under pressure. Yeah. Okay. Well, my name's John Hewitt, and Jeff King, the bad guitar player, is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Roger, on wine today. Yes, I am. And Jeff, you're on white wine today. That is fridge wine. What, what, no one gave me the memo I'm on beer <laughs> it's just wine that appears in the fridge what's in the fridge John oh, well I didn't have any wine in my fridge can you put wine in my fridge in the future it well, just, I, don't, I don't know where it comes from it just gets spawned by the fridge the only reason you didn't have wine in your fridge is because you only drink red wine True. which you wouldn't put in the fridge and you have about 75 bottles of the same wine in cupboards <laughs> yeah, in your house um, have you ever come across people who drink red wine out of the fridge Fuck off. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've had gone to people's houses and they've gone, oh, I've got red wine, and they've taken it out of the fridge. Isn't that a rosé? No, no, it was proper red, it was like a Shiraz, I'm, and I, I haven't seen that person again. Cause well, it was just like, maybe if it's hot, it's a bit like sangria. You know, no. you can make a, a, a rosé if you get red wine <laughs> and you mix it with apple juice. <laughs> but you're going to say white wine. <laughs> Okay. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, not, it, it, I don't know if that's going to work. No, it's horrible. Red wine and coke do works. It. Red wine and coke does work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Kahlua. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Football Shed. We're a weekly podcast that talks about football and don't listen to our wine drinking suggestions. Um, we record each week in Jeff's Shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. If you enjoy it, give us a review on iTunes, subscribe, tell your mates. If you want to get in contact with us, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed Podcast and we appear. Um, and in a few weeks' time, we'll have an exciting new website up and running, which we will direct you to when we have it up and running. Woo! Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> but every week we start with a question and this week's question is about the best team in the land currently, Man United. Oh god! Now, now we got to put up with this. I know yeah. he's back. Well, I, I thought like I don't think I've ever done a Man United question at the start of the show, and it's been three years, so I thought it's time to uh, embrace it. So, when Man United go ahead in a game, they have not lost one of those games in how many? So, how many games have they gone without losing, having gone ahead? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, it's obviously a substantial amount, or this wouldn't be a, a question. Mm. So I would say 34. That's a lot. Well, it's a substantial amount, <laughs> Roger. <laughs> it wouldn't be a question. Like, they've had a lot of managers that have been crap um, in recent history. Uh, I'm going to say less just because of that. But then I don't know if they have... I think I feel like this year... How many games are up to this year? 18? 20. 20. So it's at least 20. Maybe it is more. Maybe I'll go 40. 73. Holy moly. <laughs> is that in all competitions or pretty In all competitions, games? when they have gone ahead, they have not lost the game. So they don't lose from going ahead. So that's That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I presume a lot of that is in the Mourinho era, era where you go 1-0 up and you go, defend and stop. So Maybe he does know what he's doing. So No. <laughs> what, I actually had a question, a Manchester United question prepared oh, for this good. week as well, John. Oh, good one. So we're going to like oh, yeah. dub, double trouble. Right. So what year was it? What year? Like year? Yeah. We're in 2019 now. Okay. So you, you get the reference point. Yeah. The year. <laughs> right. This in is why you don't ask the question. Year. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did Man United first field a match day squad that didn't have a youth prospect in it? So a product of Manchester United's youth academy. They've not done it yet, have they? They've always had one. What um, year, John? Year was the last time that Manchester United fielded a. Uh, well, uh, a long time ago. 2018. 1952. 1937. Wowzers. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. And on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, whenever it is. Who is it at the moment? Marcus Rashford, Jesse Uh, Lingard, Paul Pogba, Scott McTominay, and Pereira. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's ridiculous. And I think that's why a lot of people are getting panicked about the Mourinho being in control because that was going to end I think, because he destroys young players and you look at Rashford at the weekend scores a wonder goal and looks incredibly confident and six weeks ago he was just a shell of a player okay so down to the football so the game at the weekend brilliant rubbish what do you think it was a brilliant game of football um Spurs should have won probably about three or four one but United um Ole Gunnar Solskjaer changed the formation so he played the two strikers um Rashford and Martial quite wide and push Lingard into a false nine and basically put pressure on the sides of the Spurs defence of the fullbacks so they didn't have an out ball. Uh, uh, but it, it wasn't just that though. I think it's more that they put pressure on the fullbacks by Spurs attack through their fullbacks bombing on. Yeah. And so what you, by saying to Martial and Rashford go wide and stay high up the pitch, it's not necessarily pressuring Spurs in terms of putting direct pressure on the players it's letting them attack but keeping two players up the pitch so that they know and Lingard's buzzing around like a yeah. you know little fly trying yeah. to get the ball back and then all of a sudden you look up and you've got two fastest players on the pitch up against no fullbacks. So I, I thought it was quite smart yeah. and the, the so thing that you could tell was, was that that was intentional I know sorry that sounds like a <laughs> sorry if that sounds self-evident but when Pogba made his world-class assist, which you've got to say was top quality. Yeah. He didn't look. He took a touch and he kicked it where he knew that his two wingers were, yeah. which means that all week they would have been planning to expose Spurs' system like that. And he knew that if he won the ball in that part of the pitch, all he had to do was play it into one of those two channels. And if everyone else was doing their job, a, a chance would be created. Yeah. So, so he, you could see he wasn't... Even, it was, it's like a no-look pass because he didn't have to look. And United... Did that and it threw Spurs and it worked in getting the goal in the first half. Spurs changed it up a bit and were much better in the second half. And for the last half hour of the game, they were way the better team. And De Gea had a wonder half. Um, and it's a bit of one of those weird ones. People were like, oh, it wasn't any amazing saves, but he's in the right position. Um, and do you remember when Tim Howard made like a million saves against Belgium in the World Cup? I do, yeah, yeah. And it was a record. Obama yeah. called him. We were at that game. We were, yeah, Roger and I were at that game. But we watched it and didn't think he'd done anything incredible, but he'd been in the right position at the right time and made a, a huge amount of saves. The hair did exactly the same. His positioning was perfect and he just got in the way every time. And he used his feet a lot, which I thought was amazing because when it bounced off your foot, it goes a lot further than it comes off your hand. But I think there's more than that as well. It's fit. A lot of those, usually you're, as a striker, you, you say, keep it low, go in the corner. And it's very hard to save because the keeper can't get down. And De Gea being so good with his feet, 
means that he can actually save those shots like he's like some sort of bloody ninja like the way he can um, like fling his foot out and his arms at the same time I just don't know any other (laughs) keeper that can do it and I think with, with him you say it's like I saw that, like you know, lots of people on Twitter sort of saying, "Oh, it's not really that impressive." Most of them were straight at him. But when you're De Gea and you do that week in, week out for a number of seasons, it's not just fluke being no. in the right place. No, at the you've right got time. to get you are. There. He is the most. I think he's probably still your most important player in terms of. And last season, you really noticed it went because he went very good. Yeah. But he won you so many games Put on the back of him 95% of other keepers in goal for Man United at the weekend we lose that game yeah. like I reckon him and then you've got your Allisons in it Maybe, I don't think um, what's the Man City goal Edison. Edison. Edison I don't think he would have saved a lot of those Allison might have but that's about it but the, in football and argue if you if you will but there is no right place and right time finding a five on the floor right place right time yeah in football, it doesn't exist. And we look at strikers. We look at a player like Chicorito, uh, now West Ham, who, you know, he's always in the right place at the right time in the six-yard box, toe-poking it in. That's, he's made a career out of that. But he's not in the right place. at the like, That's not luck. It's, it's not, not like he, he's just randomly appeared where he should be. Oh, isn't it lucky? Oh, if I was standing there, I could have got it in. But the difference is I wouldn't be standing there because every other striker in the world is trying to time things the way he is so that he's in the right place at the right time. And... You know the the goalkeeping performance. He was he had his lines perfectly for every one of those shots, so he made it look easy. Yeah. And you'd rather your goalkeeper be standing in position, not have to jump, not have to drop down, because they're in the right place intentionally right at the right time. Intentionally, yeah. it's not. It's not. You can't dismiss it. Going right place, right time. It's the opposite. But uh, to put it in perspective, he did make eleven saves. He's only ever made more saves in one Premier League game ever. Yeah, wow. So it was like in terms of spur, you can see why Pochettino's felt the need to come out and give his team encouragement and say we actually, you know, played well. But on the, um, we'll move on to Pochettino. But with the Solskjaer thing, mm. I think he does deserve some credit for that tactical shift in that we've been talking about several times a Labrador being able to manage <laughs> Man United over the last six weeks yeah. because you just needed some enthusiasm and that yeah. was all you, they've got some very good players yeah. so just needed anyone but Mourinho but this was actually we talked about this now being got his, one of those police dogs this was his, <laughs> yeah, smart dog. this was his first big test and he risked doing something innovative that yeah. could have gone completely wrong. And, and, and I think it, and on that, I think it's really important the fact that he's brought Mike Phelan back um, and he's part of the coaching team. Carrick's involved. And there's another guy whose name I can't remember, I think it's McKenna, who actually used to be coach at Spurs and has come over as well. So obviously you've got the inside scoop on how Spurs play. Um, but the four of them, like if you watch them on the sidelines, each one of them will go into the technical box at different times. So it's not just... Jose Mourinho stood there and Carrick looking sad in the corner going, I can't say anything. All four of them have input and they all have players that they're working with and they talk to. And it's a team collective of how do we, as a team, win this game with these group of players? And, and there's a collaborative process about it. You won leagues being a counter-attacking football side. That, yeah. that was how Fergie, his style of management. You know, we, it, it's hard to look back now and be as objective as we are and as critical as we are of, of Fergie as we are of modern day managers because we have so much almost saturation of analysis to football these days yeah. you know the, the the way football is fed into your life through social media through the internet through we didn't have that 15 years ago so when we we're watching Fergie at peak 
you know, there weren't even as many camera angles. Yeah. It, 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 sound, it sounds ridiculous, but we didn't have that level of analysis. Now, Man United were excellent, but unless you went to the games, and so they are a counter-attacking team, and his style of management was a counter-attacking style of management. However, he loaded up with front players that meant he could have six players behind the ball and four front players and counter-attack with the most dynamic, defend, you know, defending a corner to scoring a goal within eight seconds. And that's what you remember from Manchester United. So the, the DNA of, of Solskjaer and Carrick and Mike Phelan is part of that Man United DNA. And that's exactly what they did against Spurs. Against Spurs in the first half, um, they opted to do a stat on like quick counters or quick attacks or something. Against Spurs, they had seven in the first half. That's more than the last 17 games under Jose Mourinho. Like in the wow. first half, it, but and you saw it when, uh, you know, like you, you know, you said it's on the training ground and all the coaches are involved. But you saw when that goal went in, it was like something had come together. And you saw in the way that they celebrated, that wasn't just celebrating a goal in a big game. It was all made to go. Oh, I told you, I told well, you. Well, and it was a plan. It was a yeah. plan coming together, and that's yeah. the most satisfying thing as a coach. And you, the thing about you saying it fits with United's um, strategy. It also fits with the players that they've got at the moment, which Mourinho was really struggling with. And whether that's because Mourinho wasn't able to bring in all his players or not, you, you could give him some credit there, perhaps. But at the same time, you've got the players you've got, and you know you've Make got to play good. to a system that that makes them the best they can be. And when you've got two very quick wide attackers who have the potential to be probably two of the best players in the world. Um, one of whom's keep you know Rashford's keeping Lukaku out at the moment, which is great. You play the play them there, you know, play them in those positions where they're going to be a threat, and that's what's happening. And I mean, Rashford just, I just love it, like just his confidence. He looks like a world, and it, it was the finish. I was almost like his skill the other week. You know, I was raving about that. Yes, yeah. Ronaldo stepovers, yeah. but I almost preferred this because to me this was like confidence. It was one touch mm. out your feet. You know, go past the man and then like unerring finish in the far corner. Clinical. And, yeah, was, you just it don't. It was very Thierry Henry. It reminded me yeah. of Thierry Henry. It's just like one touch, bang, bottom corner. So, 18 months ago, Manchester United spent £89 million on Romelu Lukaku. Yeah. He's now put on about 76 kilos since then. I, I get it. <laughs> so, he, he's, not, he's not a dynamic counter attacking player. Yeah. Even if he ever used to be, yeah. now he definitely well, is. He looked like that for Belgium in the World Cup. Like, you know, when Martinez put him on the left yeah, wing. Yeah, but Martinez plays a possession style of football, which means that you can you can have a slow front third. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'd describe Lukaku as slow, though. No, I, I, but I certainly wouldn't describe him as, as quick as a whippet. Like, he's not he's, a Rashford or Martial no. style. No, he's, he's a beast. Uh, yeah. So is there any room in your squad for an £89 million centre-forward? Um, well, yeah, because we've got one. So that's fine, but he's going to sit on the bench a little bit. I don't think it's a massive problem that he's on the bench. I think what Solskjaer is doing is playing the form players and Rashford's in form and scoring goals. When Lukaku gets his chance, which will happen because there's a lot of games, people get injuries and stuff, he has to take it. And that's you create this positive atmosphere of, I want to be in the team because it's good to play in the team. They're playing good football. 
rather than going, oh, Lukaku plays every week because Mourinho just goes, I have to have a big guy up front. If he's not scoring, See, I just play him. I don't think that Lukaku... Sorry, Roger. Oh, no, it's because he's scoring when he comes off the bench, though, as well, to support that. Yeah. So when he's getting his chance, he is be scoring. Yeah, but as a character, I don't know him. We're not mates. Yeah. I get that. But I've watched his career since he was a kid at Chelsea. He is not the type of player to play second fiddle. His personal, his self-belief is both admirable and detrimental. Yeah. So when he went to West Brom, he was amazing for West Brom. I think he scored 16 goals in that season as a kid. Didn't start every game, but was amazing. They were gagging to keep him. Went back to Chelsea, realised he wasn't going to be the main man. Went to Everton on loan, was made the main man to a point where he was felt like he was bigger than that, bigger than that. Wouldn't go back to Chelsea full-time, was signed full-time for Everton to be the main man. Went to United to be the main man. I don't think that he has it in him to to reflect and go, I'm just going to work hard when I get back to this team, I'm going to take my chance. I think he believes who he is is better than that. And I, and I think through his career, he's shown that he's actually unwilling to, to wait for that and prove that he's got that in his character. The difference now is that he's at one of the biggest clubs on the planet. So there isn't a Man United to go to because he's at Man United. So where does he go from here? I also think, and this is kind of a question to you both, it depends on who's the coach next year. And Man United played against Spurs. Um, Oligon Associates has won six out of six. Played against Pochettino Spurs, who's the other guy that they're talking about as the favourite. Now, on Lukaku, who did, like, who's the coach? Does he want him part of the team? But who would you right now go for, Solskjaer or Pochettino? Like, next season, who do you bring in? Well, I mean, it's a hard question. It's going to be debated for the next six months. And I don't mean to sit on the fence with that comment, even though it's a massive fencing. It's going to be debated. And I don't think that... Okay, what what can we look back at as previous for this kind of situation? And Roberto Di Matteo is the exact example. So when he came in as interim manager at Chelsea and he won the Europa League, the UEFA Cup at that point. Champions Champions League, League, sorry. What else could you have asked for from Di Matteo? Now that, at Chelsea at the time, that wasn't what Chelsea wanted. However, they couldn't not give him a job. You see, that's why I think where they're wrong, and that's why I think it's not a debate. I think Solskjaer cannot get this job, even if he wins the Champions League and finishes third in the Premier League. You have to pick the person that's for the next five years. But it becomes super awkward because the, the, the fans will revolt against the club. And trust me, the Man United fans are not happy about the hierarchy of that club anyway. Iwa Wuwa is not, a, is not a, like, no one loves <laughs> the Flavour of the month. Yeah. yeah. So the, so, and Oli, Oli Gunnar mm. is someone that the fans behold. They, 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 he's true to them. He, he represents them. And if he wins, let's say, okay, he wins every single one of his games and wins the Champions League. Now, they are going to be in exactly the same situation as, as Di Matteo. Now, what happened with Di Matteo is, is the next year, what was it, November before he got the sack? They waited for the first moment that the, the armour was cracking and they're going, oh, okay, yeah, he's not the man for us. He hasn't got the experience. They brought out all of the guns that, that were the, the reason why he was only giving an interim job in the first place. And what that would do to United is it would put you back to square one again. Well, I, I think you've got to make a decision. They should be making these decisions now, mm. not because then that... that you know, and even make it public. Or, but I, I don't think we can get carried away. At the end of the day, Man United have, have beaten Spurs one nil, and we talked about it on another day. They could have lost four or five one, mm, yeah, um, quite easily. The other teams that they've beaten are average. So I think it's a very small sample size. And you know, we look, look at the last time Solskjaer was in the 
um, Premier League with Cardiff and it was a disaster and I just don't think we can yes he, you know he was a tactical genius for an hour against Spurs <laughs> but I don't think we can discount just the change in atmosphere at Old Trafford yeah. has had a significant effect on your results and so I think there's only so much of that that credit yeah. that goes to the manager yeah. you know and I don't think that is enough to base your next five-year plan on whereas Pochettino's got what four years of, yeah. of evidence of what you know what he could achieve that's I think my point is that we've got to be careful as Man United talking as a Man United fan to not get carried away if Solskjaer does win every game it doesn't actually change the situation we're in that we we got to still remember the position we're in at Christmas when Mourinho left, and that is the position we're in. Whatever happens at the end of the season, because that's what needs rectifying, and that's not rectifying. You can't rectify that with emotion. You rectify that with an actual plan. But this is why this situation is becoming more and more sticky. The better he does, yeah, the, the more worse the situation you yeah. find yourself in, because. You're actually going to find, for everyone listening, I'm pointing at John right now in an aggressive fashion. You're actually going to find that there will be more of a dissonance created in your club than than you ever had predicted. Having this feel-good Labrador come in and lick everyone in the face, yeah. that that's a great thing. Makes everyone feel great. As soon as they buy into this lovable dog, and actually the club go, nah, he's not the lovable dog we want. We want a bit more of an experienced dog. We want a German Shepherd, please. Mm-hmm. He's you know retired from the army. Yeah. Then that's <laughs> something that the players will then revolt against. The fans will then revolt against. So even if you're sticking with the plan you made two months ago, you're in a sticky spot if he keeps winning. It depends how you do how it. You announce yeah, it how you announce well. it, how yeah. it's done. And if Solskjaer comes out and goes, this is the right thing for the club, with, I'm fully behind Pochettino, for example, taking over. It changes the whole thing. They, it, they've got history of announcing and performing their business like Donald Trump at a beauty pageant. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't trust that Man United will play this transition out any better than they've played out any other piece of business they've done in the last five years. That's true, and I think we should move on from Man United to Spurs. One last thing that I wanted to bring up is that they're looking at bringing in a director of football. Um, which may not be the only big club on the planet without one, which is pretty embarrassing. Um, but I saw that the Arsenal guy who came from Dortmund, whose name I can't remember, who bought Ibemiang over and Mikatarium. Yeah, head he's, of he's not there. He's not director of football, but no, he's transfer policy. Head of recruitment. Yeah. Um, but the talk was that he was going to become the director of football at Arsenal, and then they since Gazidis has gone to Milan, they've changed their path of what they want to do, and they've basically said to him, "No, you can't have the job." Um, and you can just be a glorified scout, basically. So he's going to leave. Um, and I think if I was made United, I'd turn around and go, get that guy straight away and get him in as your director of football. And then you talk to him about who's the right manager that fits under mm. that plan. Yeah, because it needs to be a synergy between both of them. Yeah. And, t- you know, talking of Arsenal, we... And, the, like, footballing perception... I know we'll move on to Spurs in a minute. I'm sorry, but footballing perception, we... Arsenal went the first what, 22 games unbeaten in this season, right? Yeah. No, sorry, they lost their first two, and yeah. then they won a 22-game unbeaten run. We're talking about you know, the transition so much better than we expected. They're doing incredibly well. United had the worst start in their history, and now they are level on points. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's weird the way we digest these footballing stories and, and the way the, the narratives take over of the actual facts. Right now, that five on the spin, six on the spin, yeah. has put... United in a position that we were lauding two weeks ago when Arsenal were in it. But um, a, Man City was the same. 
Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we, you're the Man City machine, and then all of a sudden they have two bad results over Christmas, and it's, it was nearly 10 points. Let's move on to Spurs. Um, Kane is injured and out until March. Son has gone to the Asian Cup. Um, Dembele's Sissou- gone. Dembele's gone to China. Dyer's injured. Dyer's injured. Yeah, but Dembele's mum was Chinese, and he had a boyhood connection to, <laughs> to <laughs> Shanghai he's dipping Gujit there's photos of him when he was a kid you know wearing the scarf yes. so I feel like we can't blame him yeah. but are Spurs in trouble Spurs sit third at the moment and two weeks ago we were talking about them possibly being title challengers that seems out the window right now it's a bit Spursy isn't it it is a bit Spursy <laughs> Um, do we reckon they're in trouble or do you reckon it's nothing to panic about? I think Dyer's a big miss. I don't think they've got another player, particularly with Sissoko going down injured, um, who, you know, I think that was a big aspect of the United game as well. Mm. If for the goal, um, when uh, Lingard won back the ball and gave it to Pogba, that's where Sissoko, Sissoko would, would have been, been yeah. if he was still on the pitch. Um, and he, I mean he's really improved this year like he looks like the player that you kind of expect him to be when you see him mm. and he has this one off good game but yeah I, I don't think they've got a natural replacement for Dyer and I think he was a big miss too and now they've got some serious striking woes with Kane injured who's never injured and Sun gone I mean he's going to play up front um, there's talk of v- Lucas Vincent Mora. Janssen no Vincent Janssen apparently is just completely out of the Loriente room. Loriente oh, or Lucas Mora Loriente's rubbish he is rubbish he's yeah. Good yeah, in the he had half a season where he's good at Swansea he's good in the air and he's he was being good in Spain but the problem he's is he's not a bird no that's true <laughs> he spends most of the time walking but I, I have faith that Pochettino's going to get them through it and they're still going to finish it's top a big four test. time, but it is going to be a difficult few weeks for them. And is um, is Kane the, probably the, the big question in Spurs' mind? I mean, they'll have the second leg of the League Cup semi-final, yeah. which the, these players will miss. Champions League is Kane back or not? Kane misses the first leg against Dortmund, which is that's a huge, which is a shame because like yeah. I, I mean, you know, we talked about it. I'm really looking forward to that game, and you want to see all the best players out in yeah. the park. And I think you know Spurs without. Harry Kane is pretty massive. Like he's he's integral yeah. to what they is do. Is this the first time Kane's been out this season? Yeah, it is. Because yeah. he generally every season has, has a spell, a, like yeah. a four or five week. I've hurt my ankle, has a break, and then comes back and scores about forty goals. He heals quickly, doesn't he, Harry? He, he does. does. Like he's got a good yeah. good yeah. healing. <laughs> he does seem to recover yeah. really quickly. It's amazing. Remember before the before the well, World Cup, mushrooms. it was like yeah. I thought it'd be yeah, mushrooms. It's yeah. the lots of iron. Yeah, that's the iron. Um, because before the World Cup, I thought it was going to be another like David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, Metatarsal nonsense, and suddenly he's just back playing football again and, and being top, top goal scorer. scorer. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's move on to West Ham against Arsenal. West Ham beat Arsenal one 0 which was brilliant, I think, um, because well, you know beating Arsenal is always good. Um, Beckham Rice scored the winner. Yeah. And we've spoken about Declan Rice before. He was brilliant in this game. He was really good, wasn't he? Yeah. And. Uh, He's 19, he's just signed a new contract there, but he's got everything, he could be yeah. anywhere. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in this game. Like you just, He's the kind of player you enjoy watching because he can do it all, does the ugly bits of the game and you know, de- defends, covers brilliantly. Um, do you know where he would be good? In Spurs' midfield right now. And he's the kind of, you know, if you're Pochettino, he's, he's the yeah. kind of player they would go for. Yeah. I, but are they going to sign anyone? I don't know. But And then his finish for the goal was great. Yeah. So he can do that too. It was made by Nazari though. 
And we joked when Nasri started training with West Ham, but yeah. watching him play, I know it was against Arsenal when he's obviously going to raise his game against Arsenal, but he had space. Like even when he's standing in the in the penalty area, he still has space and time and he slows the ball down and he waits for opportunities and he doesn't look like anyone's even running up to challenge him because of his body position on the ball. Like why did we not assume that he was going to still be as good as he was when he was great for Man City. Probably because he hasn't played for so long. But I, and was he great for Man City, or do we have to go back to Arsenal? No, he, he was really good for Man City. He had a f- good. He won the league with Man City. Yeah, and Pellegrini. Pellegrini. Never know. The water boy. The water boy. Yeah. Um, he because he was his coach at Man City, oh, yeah. and he had a lot of confidence. He played him a lot in that team as a wide kind of forward person, and uh, he did really well for him. And I, but I generally thought he was going to be crap when he came back but I think you do forget as a football fan that footballers are actually quite good and then <laughs> <laughs> but if they don't play for two years but has, yeah, he's been away for what 18 months yeah, yeah. 18, 18 month, month ban but, and he was playing in Turkey for six months before that so he wasn't really like at the highest end of football and um, but you do think oh they're probably crap now aren't they because they haven't played for two years but you you can still play guitar if you haven't played guitar for two years. I was still, really it impressed. It takes a couple of days to warm up and you're there. I was the same as Jeff. Like I, I was surprised because I just he was always a bit sort of semi-overweight and lazy anyway. And so you're like, God, 18 months away, this could be bad. <laughs> and then he's gone to West Ham who have a reputation for... Being overweight and lazy. Well, and signing players, you know, based on reputation rather yeah. than perhaps their current ability. And so I wasn't that optimistic that he was going to be good, but I was really impressed with this game. And maybe you're right in it was Arsenal, but I was quite impressed with his engine and his mm. fitness. Like he kept going. I mean, we know he's going to have the skill. Like the way he, um, even setting up the goal, um, the way he just controlled the ball, little drag back, laid it off. It was it was very good. Mm. But you know he can do all that. But I was actually impressed. You know he kind of led the line at times, sort of swapped with yeah. an out of itch a bit and um, yeah I, was, I thought he was good I, I mean and, and if he can come on maybe it will soften the blow if an out of itch yeah do you think an out of itch is gone it looked seems, like it, it was when he left wave, the pitch he was, he? which I just by the way like his brother's his agent and he's come out this week and said you know he, he wants he, to win trophies he really in China. wants to win trophies in China I'm I'll like you, he's got off. his mum <laughs> is from Beijing <laughs> That is a fact. Yeah, like Dembele's Yeah, do they, they're sisters. Yeah. 200. <laughs> On Altovich, it's a traditional Chinese <laughs> name. Uh, £200,000 a week. Um, I, I mean, do you do it? If, no. Because I, I think the, you know, if, you, if you're an Altovich and you're going to go somewhere, we talked about, I mean, you think he's good enough to play in the Champions League. Yeah, I do. Why would you then go to China? Like, if you're going to go, grand a week. Do, yeah, grand a week. do the best you can do at West Ham. You've got one one big move in you. Go and, you know, go and do week. it. It's real tempting. Like if uh, mercenary, yeah, but it's two hundred grand a week. That's loads of money. Like, loads it, it, of money. It is loads of money. I mean, it's relative, isn't it? It's essentially it's a it's a double your money pay rise. Yeah, because he's probably probably on about hundred grand because he's yeah. one of the, one of their star players. Yeah. So it's double your money pay rise after tax. So I, I think if you're offered a double your money pay rise to work for a com- not even a competitor, work for a company that's a bit shitter and you could do a worse job and they're offering you double money, oh my God, tell me who wouldn't take that. No, but it's a big call because I, I think he is very good and I think he could... What is he, He's 30? 29. 29. So I think he's got potentially one one move in him for a team that could play in the Champions League. And if you want to... 
chase, I think you chase that. I think you cha- he chases that at least for another 12 months because if he makes this decision to go to China, that's it, over. It's not. It's not. Um, Axel Witzel went, yep. went back yeah, to... Where did he, where did he went back to Dortmund. Paulinho. Paulinho went to Barcelona. Yeah, I, but so, I think those are the exceptions. So he, what, what did you say? He's 29? Yeah. He's 29. So, so, what, so how much is his stock going to drop when he's 30? Earn yourself £200,000 a week for one season in China and then... Go, oh, actually, this is rubbish. Can't learn the language. Realise that my mum's a liar. She's not Chinese. <laughs> my, my brother's got his piece of piece of the pie. Everyone's happy. I'm now 30 years old and I've got one big European move left in me. He's not 34. Although, he's 29. Although, I'd do it the if, other way. Right now, Chelsea are desperate for a striker. Like, Chelsea need a striker. They haven't got a striker that Sari likes or plays in the way he wants. Arnautovic plays in the way that Sari likes as a striker. And if you're a good agent and you're an Altovich's agent and you're going, oh, China are offering this, but maybe we, Chelsea need a striker, maybe they'll stump up the cash and not pay quite as much, but maybe 150 nah, grand is, a week and play in a team that can get in the Champions League and play Champions League next year. There is no way the Dildo brothers will sell him to Chelsea. That's no the fair. thing. They, it just, yeah. they won't release a player like that to a competitor. Yeah. So, so this... I just think that we view China like a graveyard, but it can be an interim period. I mean, Cahill came to Melbourne City after he went but to China. You've got two examples of all the... I think Jen... Three? Jen Cahill? No, I'm not giving you that one. It's a graveyard. Tevez, he went to Boca Juniors. He did go to Boca Juniors. It's a graveyard. He went to Boca Juniors. Graveyard. He's still at Boca Juniors, about 96 years old. Um, let's move off Arnautovic's millions, um, but I would be his agent and take a bit of the pie. Um, on to relegation. And David Wagner has left Huddersfield. Now, we spoke about this last week and we said we'd never fire him and he's got to stay there. Yeah, I'm sad. Apparently, he's left by mutual consent. So they basically have had a conversation over the last four or five weeks about him kind of going, I'm not sure if I'm right to do this. And the owner of the club said, I'm not going to fire you. Like, we I'll think, never fire you. Yeah, so I'll never do. fire you. I'll back you to do whatever you want to do. They lost three games recently um, against... Uh, Newcastle, Fulham and Burnley I think yeah. and they're all teams around them I think Wagner in his head went I'll see how these three games go and against the Cardiff game if I can get his points out of that we got a way out if we don't then I'm not the right man because I'm not getting results but it's not games. even this just this season like he so apparently he initiated a conversation with the chairman the chairman's publicly said he's not going to sack him yeah. but what he initially said was that he needed a break so he said it wasn't now his initial um, proposition was that he would manage for the rest of this year, but then at the end of this season he needed a break from football. Yeah, he was okay. going to leave, yeah. and then they came to the decision that actually, with where we're at now, just go we're, now. We're better to go now, and which I, which I don't necessarily agree with. I mean, maybe you do it because his headspace is already well. I'm going at the end of the year, mm. but I think they're going to struggle to find someone who will. It's a really be able to have a better chance of staying up. It's a really difficult one because I'm desperate for them not to hire David Moyes, Alan Pardew, Sam Allardyce, any of those. Fa- Favourite for the role, Sam Allardyce. And, and <laughs> two to one as well, yeah. It doesn't achieve anything for Huddersfield no. to do that. They're almost better. The do you think assist- they will? They, 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 he's, I don't think the, so. the owner's quite progressive, yeah. so I don't necessarily think they will. The assistants can take charge for the weekend. 
And I'd rather, a bit like Darren Moore did at West Brom last year, and he took over and did all right to the end of the year and now is doing good in the championship. Do something like that. Just bring someone through who's already at the club and knows the players, knows the club. Because we might not talk about him for a while because he's just left the club, I just want to draw a line under Wagner. I think he's an excellent manager. I think what he's achieved at Huddersfield has blown everyone's perception out of the water. He was in relegation zone in the championship, took them up and survived. And 19th, yeah. When he took over, they were 19th. They finished that season 19th. They then spent three million in, in the summer. Three? No, 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 no. But they're on loan. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, in championship, spent three million, came fifth, got promoted in the playoffs, and then kept them up. I agree. I think that's. I think amazing. I think he's exceptional. And if we don't mention his name for a while, that will be sad because I think he deserves a bright future in the game. Yeah, and I think him taking a break now means he'll be refreshed and ready, probably to go come pre-season for the new year so I think there'll be a lot of clubs sniffing around for him do you think he made a mistake in the, at the start of this year he signed a new uh, I think it was three year deal or something like a long term deal when there was taught like Leicester were chasing him West Ham were chasing him a number of clubs in Germany were chasing him but he chose to stay at Huddersfield do you think I, that he made a mistake no because right now he's burnt out the reason he needs a break I presume I don't know, he didn't call me and tell me. I'm not sure why. Um, but I presume he's, like, football management's a full-on job, and I think he's probably burnt out and needs a break. So if he had gone to, say, a Leicester, and now was in a position of getting fired, you've lost everything. Whereas now, is have a break, reassess, get a job in the summer. And he'll probably get a good job. Yeah. And do you know, I, I think that the Leicester boat has not sailed, has it? No, no if Wales not um, winning that many friends, is he? Can't, he can't. I feel bad for him, but I literally feel like he's he's holding the door until they figure out someone better is going to come along. But thanks, Claude. See, See ya. Is, is, yeah. is there a more bipolar club than, oh, than Leicester City? Like no. it's extreme. They'll finish bottom, then they'll win the league, then they'll beat Man City, then they'll lose against someone rubbish. Like, it's it's incredible to watch. But I, I don't think that ship sailed for Wagner. I think that if Puel does come, they would be getting a knock on the door. I'm talking of Leicester, they lost to Southampton. Um, Ralph Hampton. Ralph Hampton, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's better than the Rabbit Hutch. Um, but the Rabbit Hutch is doing something good. They Southampton went down to 10 men at, in the first half and still won, which is impressive. Um, and they just looked like they were playing good football. Did you see what... And, and even more than that, he got Shane Long scoring a goal. Yes. First one for nine months. But you know, did, did you see what uh, Shane Long said after the game as well? No. He talked about, um, oh, you know, new managers made such a difference. He's actually, um, you know, I'll telling put, telling us what to do uh, when we haven't got the ball. I have, have got a quote. quote. Yeah. yeah. So it's James Ward-Prowse who said <laughs> okay. it. It says, because um, the, the, it says here, the Austrian has been in charge for only seven league matches, but has already won as many games as Mark Hughes did in his whole time. Three or something. Three games. Yeah. James Ward-Prowse the difference has been unbelievable we have a clear structure and a plan of what to do with and without the ball <laughs> oh my Re- revolutionary stuff yeah. you can't get more Mark Hughes's shit and doesn't know what he's doing yeah that's amazing but he doesn't I just don't no. think he, yeah I just don't know what to say about that it's like, amazing Ah. Oh. but um yeah so Southampton are looking alright although it's still I think there's a chance and I really hope it's a big chance that they might get sucked back into the mire. There's always, you know, I, I think maybe it's new manager bounce. They've still got some few weaknesses as a team. Yeah, he's a hard ass. 
I think I think they're safe. So they didn't they're safe? I now? think they're safe. You, I think they'll be in the fight until the end. No, they'll be they'll be in and around, but I think they're safe. If I'd put my house on them having a rabbit hutch. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, do you see from the Fulham result? Yeah, so Fulham uh, lost to Burnley. Before we go on, the goal was exceptional. Oh, the first goal, yeah, Andrew Shirley. Sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But then Burnley win without having any shots on target. It just sums up Fulham's season, That's really, doesn't it? such a Fulham thing. And then, Rod, you bet on Fulham to win. I did. But like I said at the time, it was probably a bad bet. It was based on romance because I wanted the relegation fight to stay alive it was a big loss for Fulham and they probably shouldn't have lost that game they had plenty of well, chances no, they, didn't, they didn't concede any shots Yeah, they didn't concede any shots on target which means they did their job and I thought you were going to be spot on at the start too because you in the pod last week you talked about um, Burnley's strategy of defending where you let the opposing team have lots of shots from distance might not work against Fulham because they've got a few players that might be able to spadge it in. <laughs> and then Shirley spadged it in. And I was like, oh, maybe Jeff's a genius. But um, but then no. But then no, yeah. Um, Talking of Jeff maybe being a genius, I feel like we should talk about Cardiff. We missed, we missed talking about Ryan Babble whilst we're on Fulham. We can't let it slide oh, without, oh, yeah. without, without mentioning yes. the Babs. He's got Babble. a new haircut too. It's bright orange. Yeah. So, if anyone's not seen Ryan Babble has signed for Fulham, he's and back. Yes, that's right. Ryan Babble. He's and he's not 40. No, he's only 32, apparently. 32? Maybe you, he's like Oberfemi Martins, though. Do you remember? Where he's not really that old. Does he have like, a birth certificate? Yeah. But talking of players that ages are weird, do you remember Stephen Corker, who yeah. played for Spurs yeah, yeah. And, and Cardiff? New, Newcastle, he's gone maybe? to Turkey or something? He's gone to Turkey. How old do you reckon he is? 27. 26. 26. What? He played yeah. for Spurs like 20 years ago. What? I think he started as a 17-year-old, though, so he's been... 26. He started as a 17... His poor mum. No, no, no. But, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's playing for Spurs. When um, Ryan Babble. And he went to Swansea, did he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or couldn't have Cardiff. They might as, well, might as well sign Saha and Luis Boamorte and yeah. like, get, the, get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny as well, because uh, uh, Dirk Cummins, friend of the shed will be very excited to see Ryan Babble back. And I just think it was quite nice that in the same week, uh, Gabbiadini left. Yes. He's a, he's a massive fan of Gabbiadini yeah. too. He's gone back to Italy. Um, you know, his his sadness was tempered by the fact that Ryan Babble is back. But we were playing, like, what, FIFA 2005 and Ryan Babble was good on it. What yeah. is going on? Still going. Um, is he going to keep Fulham up? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was conclusive. (laughs) Before we move off the relegation, we need to touch on Cardiff. Now, Jeff, you predicted, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, that Neil Warnock, or Colin, as he's better known, um, was due an implosion. um, I said he'd gone gone too long without having his usual mid-season complete breakdown. And then this weekend, he came down and started talking about Brexit. And, and then the club straight away distanced themselves from it. That was my favourite part. It was like, uh, the club do not endorse or agree with uh, Colin's views. Anything, anything <laughs> is it? No, do, you have, do you have the quotes? No. Do so, you? Yeah, I've got it in front yeah, of me. Go on. Oh, um, so for anyone... He basically said everyone else can fuck off and die. <laughs> like, it's just grim. So he said, um, uh, <laughs> uh, he goes, I don't know why politicians don't know what the country wanted, if I'm honest. They had a referendum, and now to see the different politicians and everyone else trying to put their foot in it, why do we have the referendum in the first place? I can't wait to get out of it, if I'm honest. I think we'll be far better off without the thing, in every aspect, football-wise, every aspect. To hell with the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. You 
idiot. What? I'll just let's the, just not talk about it. The problem with the world is old white men, and that is an old <laughs> white man. <laughs> another, another dinosaur whose breed has not been extinct. Do you know Cardiff um, have only led for ninety three minutes this season? Wow. That's pretty impressive considering they're not bottom. Yeah, isn't that like they're they're actually doing okay? They got nineteen points, but they've only, they haven't had, they've only just been they've only been winning for a whole game. Wow. Yeah. Do, do you know what it's been? Um, I love being on a podcast, right? Because mm. we can read those Neil Warnock comments and we can call them a dinosaur and we can not care about expressing a, a political opinion. Mm. You don't have to care. Yeah. But watching the rest of the media world skirt around that being a news story. But not being allowed to express their own opinion. Oh, yeah, like so, the BBC. Like just, the yeah. BBC or Sky Sports <laughs> yeah. or SBS or, or anyone who's, who's actually gone, oh, and Neil Warlock made some inflammatory comments about. And you can see their faces and you can hear their voices and you know what they want to say, but they're not allowed to do it. And I've been thinking all week, I can't wait to be in the shed on Wednesday night and call him a bloody dickhead. Because he is a dickhead. But what, and what did the. Did he just go off on a rant or did a. Um, journalist ask a pointed question about Brexit. Like, where did it come no, from? That was because I just saw the comments. And I'm like, did he just decide <laughs> to have a rant because it's in the media at the moment, or did someone ask? I've him got about no it? clue. I didn't. I didn't oh, look that far I, but into I it. just just don't talk about it, Neil. Like, no um, one cares. Just go home to your wife and talk about the weather or something like you normally do. We want to talk about the championship. We've got a couple of things on the championship. Is there anything on the Premier League before we go on to the championship? Yeah, the last thing is I, I've done a lot of watching football this week and the worst game I watched was Manchester... <laughs> you, want to, you want to talk about the worst game? Yeah, I, I do because we talk a lot about good football. Was Manchester City. Oh, the Man City Wolves game? The Man City Wolves game. First goal was good. Oh, it was so boring though. That game was it, dull. It was so boring. Like... So I, I was, was really excited. So for those who aren't in Australia, that game kicked off at 7am, yeah. which works out perfectly because you can watch the first half, you can then go to work and watch the second half. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty excited. I got up, I showered, I was ready to go, I turned it on. Etihad Stadium wasn't very full, but I was like, okay, you know, it's the Etihad Stadium, you can't expect much more. Yeah. Atmosphere was a bit flat. Watched the football. I started getting my phone out. Yeah. Just as About 15 minutes into it, when they're 1-0 up, and then whoever the bloke was for Wolves, he got sent off with... Bolly. Harshly sent off, in my opinion. Oh. One minute, let me finish yeah. my story before you d- debate that, but I, I'm going to say harshly okay. sent off. I realised that I had zero interest in that game. I'm watching what is... Will be why are you surprised? You, you legendarily boring. Will be legendarily known as one of the greatest football sides of our generation. The way we talk about the Barcelona side, it'll be you know one that broke ground, played football in a brand new way, and it was so boring. And why was it boring? Because it, there was no character. There was no... Do- There's no jeopardy. There's no chance of anything happening. It's, it's exactly How much right. um, possession did they have? It's 80-something percent. Yeah. It's um, just pointless. And, it's and watching a training game. So in, it's just since the start of 2019. So in the last 14 games, City have only played four games. They've won four times. They've scored 21 goals and conceded one. Now, I, I just can't wait to see them not win the league. Because <laughs> because we need to prove to everyone that this isn't right. Yeah. Well, like, what about, but what about Liverpool at the moment? Because we talk about Liverpool being this, you know, beautifully 
flaky, emotional team like they were last year. And even you got on board the um, the train last year and the roller coaster. It was great. But this year, they have been defensively sound, efficient machine. Now, is that what's the reason? I'm going to respond to that, Rog. Yep. This weekend's games: Liverpool against Crystal Palace, Huddersfield against Man City. I look at that game and go, "Oh, Liverpool could slip up." I look at the Man City game, eight nil, like. You just still always believe Liverpool could slip up. Because they're Liverpool? Partly, and partly because they're fallible and they're not a machine. And I don't know, but there's something about it that you go, oh, Crystal Palace. I remember in 1990 in the cup final, it was 3 all, And maybe they'll have it. And you don't know. And they just beat Man City. But... So it's it's like watching a Rocky movie. Whereas Liverpool, so I look at that game and go, I'm not confident in it. I look at the Man City Huddersfield game and I go, eight nil Man City. So, so here's, here, here's and I'll ask you another like a third question in a row without giving you the chance to answer, Rog. <laughs> so both of those games that John just mentioned, both of them have three points. What three points for Liverpool? Three points for Manchester City. Which one would you want to watch? I'd watch Liverpool. Liverpool. Now, exactly. Be, in my, I'm going to put words in your mouth without giving you a chance to answer okay. again, Rog. I would say that you would want to watch Liverpool because it can surprise you. There can be something, in, even when they win, like they can win by a scrappy penalty or they can win 4-3. You've got no idea. You know exactly what you're going to watch when you watch Man City. And you might as well get Cut your, back. You might as well get your phone out. <laughs> like it, it's, it's a complete waste of time. You said the first goal was good. The first goal was a cutback. It was a brilliant pass by Laporte. Like, no, no, I There's know. Two I, ways I, to I look just, at a cutback. Do you know who I think would like watching Man City play? Surgeons. Yeah. <laughs> now, surgeons aren't known for their character, but, but exactly. that is what. Like, and I watched that goal, and I'm like, wow, that was a beautiful pass inside the fullback. Perfect pass to one of the quickest players in the world, and then he played a perfect cutback across the box to Jesus, and I'm like, well, that was a very Man City goal. But it, and you, it was so. I can see why people rave about it and the clean edges, but I completely agree. There's not the emotion there, and I actually I think the Liverpool before we go off the Premier League mm. entirely, I think that was a notable result for Liverpool because Brighton have been good this year. Yeah. And it, that wasn't an easy game coming off two defeats. There, it was a scrappy one nil. They probably should have won by more, but I, I think that was. I would be more encouraged by that result as a Liverpool fan than you know a lot of their other results like even the you know the thrashing Arsenal recently because this was two losses in a row you know you're playing a tough team and you're away still from still away from home result. you still gutsy it out and get the win like it's a big result yeah I completely agree if you had a mate who played like Manchester City play on FIFA against you every time you would punch him <laughs> or just not play he, yes. you, he wouldn't be your friend for any yeah, longer because yeah, you go right. you're cheating Friendship you, over. you found a way to cheat a game yeah. I hate you stop <laughs> doing it and every time he scored a cutback or she you yeah. go stop doing it I'm going to fucking punch you <laughs> and eventually they wouldn't stop doing it and you'd punch them and you wouldn't be friends anymore yeah. if it was your brother you'd never talk yeah. that's true let's move on to the championship <laughs> um, and talking of not talking <laughs> um, I don't think Frank Lampard's talking to Marcelo Bielsa. Oh, John, week. that was smooth. <laughs> was that, that, was, that, was, yeah. that was a smooth thing. You can like, tell you've been doing this nice for a few segue. years. Good link. Yeah. Um, so, if anyone's not seen, Marcelo Bielsa, manager of Leeds, uh, this week they were playing Derby, and Derby County had to call the police um, because they believed there was a man in the bushes um, spying on the training. Well, no, he's trying to get under the fence. Or something. Wasn't he trying to no, cut the fence? Looking over the fence. I'm looking over the fence. Um, and looking at what Derby were doing in their coaching. Now, this came out just before the game 
uh, on the Friday night. I actually watched a bit of the game because it was Saturday morning our time. Um, and it came out just before the game on the Friday night UK time. And Lampard was interviewed about it and he was just like, it's disgusting, it's against the game, I don't like it, it's horrible. Bielsa was interviewed and went, yes, that's what I did and I always yeah, I love that. He was like, <laughs> but now I realise being in England that it may not be acceptable here. But I was like, that's just that honesty is, is and, great. But this happened at the same time. So it was on um, Five Live Radio, BBC Radio, it was on at the same time and they reported on it live as it was getting told that he's came out. And they had a few ex-pros on, I can't remember who, but they were talking about the fact, oh yeah, it's disgraceful and it's horrible and oh, I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that. Now, in the days following, in the sort of 48 hours since, most people have come out and kind of gone, it doesn't really matter, does it? And everyone does it and it's just part of the game. Now, my opinion on it is that it is just part of the game and it's going to happen. And in reality, it's just a man peering over a fence. You can't get arrested in <laughs> unless, unless he's got a long coat on, yeah, yeah. But it's just a person looking over a fence somewhere. Well, and there's um, been it's, it's gone further, and they've now been um, uh, pressuring Lampard a bit because people have come out and said that it was there was institutional spying at Chelsea. Villas Boas used to do it when yeah. when Lampard was there, and you know Frank, what's your you came out quite strongly, but what are your opinions on that? And he was like, oh no, definitely no, definitely no spying at Chelsea. But yeah, you just it's just a non thing. Yeah. The the only thing is is the beauty of him admitting to it, yeah. because you don't normally see such honesty no. in, in in Britain. No, and what I enjoyed about it was his honesty about it, but then everyone's instant reaction on radio, which I thought was like we we're talking about how things get reported on. Because it was instant, they all thought, oh, we've got to say this is bad. And everyone in the studio and everyone around was going, oh, yeah, bad, 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 bad. And then as soon as everyone left and went and thought about it for 24 hours, they went, oh, it's not really that bad, is it? And And we all do it anyway. And And you're going to, I mean, for all practical purposes, you will gain so much more by watching their last match on telly then you're going to get yeah. peering over a fence yeah. with some binoculars. Yeah. You really are. But it was a um, big result for Leeds. So yes. obviously Derby are up in the playoff places and doing quite well. Um, Leeds played really well. They've had a lot of injury problems this year, but they got a few players back. Kmart Roof started the season really well, um, was missing for you know about 10, 12 games. And they're back, five points scoring. clear at the top now. Bit of a buffer, yeah. And um, just the other thing I wanted to touch on with it very briefly was Jack Clark. So Jack Clark is a um, 18-year-old Leeds youth product who um, has been very good this year. Now he um, originally Bielsa's come out and said didn't have him in his plans at all this year. You know, thought he was a kid, but thought he wasn't ready. And then he's just kept trying hard at training. And then he's been coming on, start coming on as a sub. You know, getting 15-minute cameos. And then there were several games in a row where he essentially was changing the game when he came on. So he's a very, very, he's like a traditional winger. And I've been a bit unsure about him because he's sort of like, is he, uh, is he good or is he the next Conor McManaman? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> he, he, you know, but he's so he's very, very direct runner. But it also seems like he's quite smart and he's got some end product. But essentially, he's coming off the bench, doing well, and it's now got to the point where he can't drop him, and he's starting games because he's still playing brilliantly and he's, he's got that ability to make the defender playing on him just look like a mug and it not necessarily through what looks like an amazing skill but just a shift in body weight and suddenly he's past them and he's quite quick and then you know there's a goal and you're like that 
that's not easy to do in the champion. And when a player looks a cut above in the championship at 18, I think they're probably destined for, for good things. Can you put my mind at ease, Rog? Yeah. Are Leeds going to go up? Oh, that's such a hard question. I... You're still waiting for them to burn out because Bielsa's teams often mm. burn out. But I, I, no, I'm on board. I think Leeds are... You're on board. Yeah. It's going to happen. I can stop being anxious. I think so. And, and I say that because I'm not a Leeds fan. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we, they've done their time. They we talk about it all the time. Yeah. They've done their time. And I think that Alan Smith's looking for a club. Mark Viduka can get a game. Bring <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kewell back. Ian, Ian Hart and his yeah, left foot. Yeah, Rio Ferdinand's pretty rubbish on telly. So like, I'm sure he can start at <laughs> the back. Like, there's loads of blokes waiting in the wings. Um, Roger, you wanted to talk about Bolton. Um, do you want to talk about that before we go on to end feature? Yeah, just... As we're on championship. There was a good news story about Bolton earlier in the season. JJ Koch has resigned. That we talked about. No, it was about their dying past owner. Ah, yeah, paid off all their debts. uh, Paid off all their debts. Now, Eddie Davis. Yeah. So, like, and I was like, that was great. At the time, I think we were like, isn't this brilliant? You know, someone that clearly loves the club has managed on his deathbed to save them from administration which is what was going to happen. They were going to be docked 18 points, whatever, Mm -hmm. gone, relegated from the championship. Now, I read something in the week that put that in a completely different light and it just, it made me quite unhappy about the world reading it. But, so it's it's come up because um, uh, Forest Green Rovers um, have a player, uh, sorry, Yeovil, sorry, not Forest Green, I get confused with Forest Green, Yeovil. Yeovil have a player on loan um, from Bolton um, a guy called Christian Doidge and the they signed the loan agreement and um, in the agreement Bolton are paying his wages while he's on loan yeah. now Dale Vince who's the and I think they played each other in the FA Cup maybe which is where it came about but Dale Vince who's the chairman of Yeovil essentially came out very strongly and said that Kevin Anderson who's the chairman of Bolton is basically a complete Cunt. Yeah, he's a loose cunt, and, and, he, and he's you know he's a Mike um, Ashley plus two. Yeah, wow. and worse, it just runs up debt. You know, he's he's been banned historically from um, owning any companies or directing any companies because of debt for numbers of years, and it's only due to some loopholes in legislation that he's able to still be involved in football. He now lives in Switzerland, um, but essentially, he said to Vince, um, you know, we're not going to pay his wages. Um, and if you take us to court, we'll then we haven't got any money, so we'll just become insolvent, and you won't get paid anyway. So there's no point. So fuck off. Was was essentially where this yeah. came from. But then, as part of it, there was this, you know, there was then this b- b- sort of article about the history of this guy and how it's happened at Bolton. Now, essentially, he came in when Bolton were a complete mess. When they got relegated, 2015, Eddie Davis, the guy who saved them, wrote off 180 million. So essentially, when Sam Allardyce was there bringing in all these players, it was basically the owner just going, "I'll put my hand in my pocket." Game, the game, the game. It's not necessarily sustainable, right? So he left. They got relegated. Everything went completely tits up, Um, and then so. He wrote off the debts, Eddie Davis, but he said, I can't have any more to do with this. No one would take on the club because they had all these debts. They couldn't pay the players. Step in Dean Holdsworth. 
As in old school Dean Holdsworth. As in old school Dean Holdsworth. He played Holdsworth. for Wimbledon. He played for Wimbledon and also played for Bolton. Yeah. Loved Bolton. Got a high interest loan, four million quid, and bought Bolton because they were only a, a pound to buy. Like wow. for, so, um, HMS, you know, the inland revenue yeah, service yeah. was selling them mm-hmm. for a quid, but no one wanted it because you're taking on all these debts. So Holdsworth, Holdsworth took this high interest loan and bought them, and then this is when Davis appeared. At uh, this, when Holdsworth, Anderson, you mean? Uh, sorry, Anderson, yeah, um, but uh, you know, bought the came in then when Holdsworth made that move and went halves with Holdsworth. Dean Holdsworth's company after a year went bust. So then it's not worth anything again. And then he bought out Holdsworth. So all of a sudden he's the sole owner of Bolton. But essentially what he's doing, Bolton have no money. They've sold all their players. They went down, managed to get back up to the championship. They've kept selling their their best players to get money. They've got a transfer embargo. And yet he is still paying himself 525 grand a year in consulting fees and then also another 125 grand to companies owned by him so essentially what he's doing is running up debt with the club siphoning and, it and then siphoning it out to himself and he doesn't care if there are shell companies that he owns go broke or if the club goes broke because he's still getting the money and the thing that's sad is that when the Eddie Davis died and left this money to the club to save them that was actually being used to repay the original loan that Dean Holdsworth took oh. out to save the club. And it was five million quid to save them. But this guy's not going to care. because nah. it's, So it's essentially a gift from a dying man that saved the club, but he'll continue to so- keep siphoning money out. So and, within four years, uh, within four be years gone, they'll, yeah. be, they'll be dead again. And you're just like, something has it's, to change yeah. in football. I, um, I've heard a little bit about it, and he's banned the... Bolton local newspaper from reporting on their games because he thinks that they have a vendetta against him. So he has a um, what's the media embargo, so they can't come and talk so about the games. It's local paper. Guess, it's yeah. amazing how this stuff feels through. Because I heard an interview with the lady from the Supporters Trust, yeah, and well, they've banned the Supporters Trust. Yeah, it's fucked. So you, there's there's no, and, and they're boycotting the games now. Obviously, yeah. they've been banned. Yeah. So I think you hope that there's going to be when something's this public that they may look at reviewing the um, you know EFL ownership rules because yeah. it's just it's not right and the people that suffer are the bloody fans. It's- On that um, good news story, Roger, <laughs> I'm so glad that we ask you for championship updates, Roger, because it's always happy and enlightening to end our podcast. It's so good. <laughs> but let's move on to end feature. Jeff, you got a song for us? Yeah, you ready? Yeah. Wow! Whoa! Really whoa! 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 whoa. That new, was really new. It's a new year. <laughs> it's a new year. Start the well, 2019. Sweaty fingers. Res- respect. <laughs> you, you're going all uh, youth and gangster on us. I am a young gangster. So <laughs> I, I have to go youth and gangster. That is my persona. That is the first thing I look think when I look at you. Yeah. Youth and gangster. Um, so in this week's end feature, last week we all lost. <laughs> Again. Again. Um, but we were very close. I lost because Cardiff couldn't beat Huddersfield, which they should have. And Jeff, you bet on the Chelsea Newcastle to get a draw, which was actually very close. So, Rod, you were crap. I don't but think that were... Cardiff should have won either. H- Huddersfield had loads of chances in that game. No, nah, but at home they should have won. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what have we got for this week's bets? Um, 
Okay, so I don't win things. Generally, just is that a... just I don't win gambling. Yeah, <laughs> I've right. decided it this, this is happen. usually when you then talk about the fact yeah. you won last year, though. Yeah, I did win last year. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> I was I was well up last year. Um, so I have gone for Manchester City to beat Huddersfield at minus three. Whoa. Minus three? That's a big minus. So, so they got to win four nil. Oh come on! Or five one. I think they will win 4-0 or 5-1 or more. Yeah. I, I just feel like okay. it, the whole club, the whole Huddersfield Town Football Club are sad. They're sad this week because they loved Wagner. But doesn't that bring and people together? No, it makes them sad. No, I They're think getting it, relegated. It do, but week one, no, I'm with Jeff on They're this. They're getting relegated. They're sad. He's done a really emotional goodbye letter. Yeah. Everyone's a bit sad. They might lose their jobs because they're getting relegated and they like making pies for people. Yeah. Like, it's sad. So what's that pay? $4.20. Well, nice. Good bet. You say that every week. I every week. <laughs> no, I like that one. Uh, I've got Man City in there as well, just to win both halves. Um, and then Newcastle, because I think it could be 8 New- 0. Newcastle uh, will find a way to beat Cardiff. Cardiff's away form's bad. That's uh, pen 4 33. Um, I really don't want to say this, but I've bet on Newcastle to beat Cardiff because they'll find a way to win now it's purely because you know my theory about Rafa Benitez he has certain games every season that he's going to win this would have a big black marker this one's like it. Yeah. four months ago yeah. I went we're going to win Arrow's this game pointing to it. <laughs> this game. so he's going to win that game and I've bet on Man City to beat Huddersfield but at minus two and that's paying $4.29 so basically the same so the three of us are basically all bet on the same thing so if it comes off we're all going to win yeah. But then if it doesn't come off, we're all going to lose. About bloody time we all lost. I mean, yes. one. one. Um, has anyone got anything before we leave? No? Thanks no. for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week. As always, if you want to shoot us an email, just go to footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, find us on social media. Just search footballshed. Um, and tell your mates, leave a review on iTunes, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.